Our guest presenter is none other than DJ Zinchle. Born in Danhauser, a small town in KwaZulu-Natal, she's renowned in South Africa as one of our, our most celebrated house DJs in the country. But she's also an entrepreneur and she's been working in a variety of different spaces that we thought would be valuable as we move forward in the world. On the line with us, thank you so much for joining us. DJ Zinchle, welcome to the Jet Set Breakfast. Thank you so much. How are you doing? I'm doing absolutely brilliant. How are you? I'm surviving under <laughs> this condition. I'm <laughs> going to jump into those conditions in a moment because they are uh, difficult ones indeed. But I want to just know, Louis Vega, that takes you back, I'm sure, to your early days of uh, discovering, hmm, this was maybe something you wanted to do. Spot on. Um, it was one of the records that um, we used to listen to. My brother taught me how to DJ, so that record um, is one of the records that I loved so much. I actually lost it because uh, a friend of mine took it from my collection, and I recently borrowed it from a friend. So I'm sure when they hear this interview, they might call and say, can I please have my record back? <laughs> You know, it's funny, hey? You've got to, like, write down who you lend things to because next thing they're gone and you can't right? even remember. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm hoping they forget. It's a very yeah. special worker. Sintle, you know, we were talking earlier off air and um, during the research on you, it was very difficult to find some real stuff about you. I mean, there's lots and lots of celebrity stuff and what is the value, how much is she worth, uh, kind of stuff all over. And I mm-hmm. was like, okay, so, so let's get past the superficial stuff and let's try and find out who is this person really? And, <laughs> and, and what, was, what was her life in Danhaus? I mean, Danhaus is hardly like um, Joburg. It's, you know. Oh, no. It's like it's you could, totally different. Yeah, you could jog through the town. And <laughs> I, I wanted to just like maybe talk a little bit about what it meant to grow up in a small town like that. Also, maybe talk a bit about your brother who um, taught you how to DJ. Let's let's try and tease that stuff apart first. Okay, so I grew up in um, um, in Denhouse, like a very small town, like you said, um, and um, simple childhood. Both my parents were, te- uh, were teachers. Um, um, of, well, I grew up with three siblings, and as time went on, I, we met a few other kids uh, of my dad's. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it was really a simple childhood. Um, I mean, earlier we would fetch water, we were using candles, and then when we moved to Danhausa, uh, the small town, then it was more urban, you know, with your running water and lights. Uh, but um, Zach, my brother, I was actually telling a friend that Zach used to be responsible for helping me get ready every morning. Uh, that fixed my hair. Help oh. me get dressed and all those things, yeah. and then later in life, uh, but we were. I mean, I, I admired him from an early age. I loved my brother. I, I feel like most of the things I achieved in my life, especially as a kid, were really just to impress him. Yeah. And uh, when I moved to Joburg uh, to study marketing, uh, and I graduated, and then moved in with him, um, and uh, he had ten tables at the house, and he would play music uh, all the time. And eventually, I was. Just curious about it and that's how I learned how to DJ so Zintle you know it's interesting I've been thinking about how many musicians and artists do come from small towns and then come up to Joburg I mean there's so many that I mean I'm thinking even of Nakane Ture who came from the Eastern Cape um, Bonga Siwa who also came from the Eastern Cape but that idea of what 
a small town can offer you at a certain point in your life, mm-hmm. and then what you have to do and almost to break free from it? Um, I think when I was in a small town, I think I just grew up in a trusting environment. I grew up uh, at a place where um, I, we didn't have access to a lot of things. Uh, we didn't, I mean, all the information that I had at the time was based on what I've seen on TV. Um, so I think just being confined and seeing a bigger world through yeah. TV, you, you start being curious, you know, when you're in a small town. And um, and I think that's, that is what happened to me. But uh, my, my that growing up in a small town just offered me an opportunity to just grow up and be a kid and, and mm-hmm. learn about myself, learn about life. I, I just remember as a kid, I spent a lot of, of time at home alone. Um, Mom didn't let us go out a lot um, because we're in a small town. Things are not as accessible as they are here. So we had to wake up super early just to get to school. Mm-hmm. Um, we, had, we walked a lot <laughs> just to get to school at times. So it was just that uh, I felt like my childhood was very free and uh, very active um, and um, full of, um, I was curious as a kid. So coming to Joburg was just to fulfill that curiosity, you know, to see what else is possible, what else is out there in the world that I could do as a child. Um, I, I, it also allowed me to dream big uh, just to be uh, where I was with my parents. My parents, I feel like, especially my dad, was a big dreamer. He encouraged everything. Like, whatever you wanted to do, he was just like, okay, you definitely can do it. So there's an interesting thing. I mean, it does raise this wonderful question of um, the role that parents play. I mean, when you say my dad was a big dreamer and he says you could do anything, and then I look at your your CV, which takes you, it's almost like on a zigzag. You go from one minute you, you're, you're being a DJ, the next minute you're making music, the next minute you're working on um, female empowerment. And that's a, a very, very, that's the golden thread, actually, that moves throughout your life. You, you, t- you continue to look at the concept sure. of empowerment through Thank your you. book and uh, even later on. Was that something that you were always aware of? Was that, or is that something that um, you had to find and discover and realize this is something that's important for me? I think I had to discover it. Um, I think it, 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 it came through my own journey as a female in the space that uh, was male-dominated at the time, and I think mm-hmm. it still is, um, just um, realizing how much um, help or how much push or how much support I needed as a female yeah. just to break through. And I just thought, whatever opportunity I have um, to help someone else, I feel like I want to give it to females more than I would want to give it to males. And also, the more experience I got in the industry, the more I felt like I could relate to females and whatever they're going mm. through or whatever struggle. So my experience and my expertise, um, I just felt comfortable sharing them with females because that's the space I could, I mean, that those are the people I could relate to it. I remember I met DJ Sindor years ago, I think in 2006, and I was so excited to meet another female DJ yeah. who was doing, you know, was also building a brand at the time, and just to be able to relate, like, our stories and call someone and say, okay, this is what I'm going through, how is it, what's happening? So that's something that I wanted to create for other female DJs in the industry, to just have that support, to have, you know, that extra push. You know, I mean, if I go back many, many years in my own experience, it was something that I was very aware of at 5FM, you know, Mm. as as a female DJ on 5FM at that time, you know, women were always, they they were never really perceived as mainstream. 
And Mm-mm. as much as one doesn't want to say, is it more difficult to be a woman? In many ways, it is more difficult to be a woman. Yeah. In that yeah. particular sphere. It is definitely more difficult. And I think um, th- th- that's when, like you said, people start questioning uh, our use of female at every instance. Like, do you still have to use the word female? But yeah. we have to because we still need that push, you know. We still need that extra space and whatever we can do to just get more attention for female talent because the truth is it, it is as good as the male talent and I don't see why we should be still, you know, uh, we should not be viewed as mainstream. You know, we yeah. have strong DJs, whether on radio or at the club, who are female. And um, but for me to thrive and to be perceived as a, the, a, like a, a successful DJ, I still have to come with the tech female. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. So but the conversation that is still ongoing, and unfortunately, it's, I think it's the same thing as Black Lives Matter. We still have to do just that extra work on one aspect of you know of of of, of the industry. Like we need to support yeah. female, females in the industry. You know, it's a funny thing. I mean, I listen to you and I think, well, if you think about um, Black Lives Matter, the question mark is is less about actually what um, black people are having to do to get uh, get what mm-hmm. they deserve mm-hmm. and more about actually what white people need to think about with regards to white privilege. And if I take that conceptually into a female DJ, yeah. then, then yeah. I, it doesn't matter how much you fight it's got to actually be something that's be that is addressed from um, men who are in the sector as well. Yeah, and and, and I think that's what I could um, celebrate when it comes to the industry that I'm in. I, I felt like earlier when I started, I did get a lot of the support from from males, who, like leading males at the time, uh, Oskido, yeah. Christmas, Vinny Da Vinci, yes, yeah. uh, Fresh. They were very active. I think they were also just excited at the idea of a female DJ. But we still need more of that now, you know, yeah. with the girls that are coming in now. Like, who's going to be excited about those girls? Who's going to help them push? Like you said, I could do the work, but we still need the males to continue the work to push yeah. other female DJs. Because when I look at the scales now, I feel like if the girls that are pushing now could get the same amount of support that I got, I think they'll be much further than they are right now. Yeah. Sinclair, I want to ask you, 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 you then, of course, took that massive uh, deviation to going into your, um, your, your furniture design, your home design wear um, space. I was like, huh? <laughs> 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 how, 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 did that, how did that come about? So um, I, I've just always enjoyed um, um, fixing up my house, mm. um, buying old furniture especially, and um, reupholstering and giving it new life and then finding a space for it in my house, selling my furniture and buying new stuff. Like I'm always doing something in the house because I think I've got that creative edge and, and I enjoy it completely. And it just became more evident to me when I built this house that I live in now and I was able to just make it look like my dream home. Um, so I'm always, I, I like going into um, ventures that, means something to me. So I just, uh, people were, were, were prompting, don't you want to get into furniture? Don't you want to get into decor? And and eventually I felt like, okay, let me start small, helping a few friends, um, we decorate their homes. And, and that's how I started really. And the more people asked, the more I just did it. And then eventually I went into furniture. 
What is it about furniture and the space and the home that's so important, particularly now, I suppose, when we think about COVID-19 and how mm-hmm. much time you spend at home? I, For me, furniture has to be functional. It has to be completely functional. That's the most important thing for me. And also it has to represent you in the home. Um, and I've, I've seen sometimes people just buy things because they... You know, um, they they tra- they trendy, and then you put it in the house, and it just becomes a useless piece of of, of like an eyesore. Yeah, so it has to months, for, yeah. yeah, it has to be for me. It has to be completely functional. I need to be able to use every piece of the house. Like if I don't use the space in my house, I start wondering what I did wrong. You know? Yeah. And um, why am I not using these chairs often as I thought I would use it when I bought it? So, uh, for me. The one number one most it's 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 a functionality and obviously it needs to be comfortable. We're going to go into your second song, Rex Rabanier on Kasan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Why? My dad. That's the simple and that's my dad's song. That he loved that song. Well, we play that one for your father. Thank you. If that doesn't bring back uh, memories, as our producer Ndosh says, Sundays in the township, doors are wide open, the speakers are out on the street, you're walking down the streets, uh, eating food. Then someone uh, else uh, WhatsApp to say, whoa, that song reminds me of my mom with uh, big hearts as well. And uh, you certainly, it certainly is, it, it's like a rabupi and black cat peanut butter and it's just like weird. I mean... But so, so melancholic. Sinclair, that's a dedication for your father. Yes, it is. It always is. It reminds me of my dad. He loved this song. Um, he loved music. Um, I think he gave it to my brother. And then my brother transferred to me. But that's a very spe- special friend. So whenever I get a chance to play it, even at a DJ, at a show, I still play that song. It's incredible. Sure. It certainly does take you back. And our listeners yeah. are definitely, definitely saying that as well. So amazing. We are going to go into sports. And uh, when we come back from the sport uh, bulletin, we're going to be continue talking to DJ Zintle. But we also have her guests, two very interesting guests as well, talking to the concept of self-empowerment, but also to the concepts of entrepreneurship. So our guest presenter today is DJ Zintle. You know her as a DJ. She's uh, um, doing extremely well at the moment, just been uh, nominated, Sama nomination for Record of the Year, also Video of the Year. We'll be playing that track in a short well, Umlilo, fantastic track. But uh, what we're interested in is uh, how one can be what is described as a generalist in the book Range by David Epstein, a person who is able to really look at all the opportunities and say, well, I don't need to only focus on one, but my skills can be diverse in many, many ways. DJ Zintlet, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Your first guest, Kia Labocha Pule, Nungu Dance. Uh-huh. Tell us about Kia Labocha. Well, I met Kia Labocha uh, a few months ago through Sumizi. Um, and uh, Sumizi said, you just need to meet, meet them and talk to them about diamonds. I said to Sumizi, how in the world am I going to afford diamonds? <laughs> he just he said, well, just go and find out. Um, and then I sat with them, and they took me through this whole, um, I think he'll take you through it also. He just gave me so much education about diamonds because I feel like every time we think diamonds, we just think, oh, my God, super expensive, millions of rand. And he's trying to make diamonds more accessible, especially to black people. And it's a black-owned company. 
And I thought that was pretty amazing. Like, I thought that was so dope. <laughs> so, so, so this is hardly something where you go, okay, um, who do you want to talk about? I want to talk about diamonds. I mean, yeah. No, just right? Like, like no one like, ever yeah, that. Huh? So, no. Kiela Bocha, we've got you on the line. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Tell us about your uh, business, Nungu Diamonds. So what, what Nungu Diamonds is, is a, is a South African diamond cutter and polisher, but primarily what, what we are is a, is a diamond brand. So yeah. what, what we do is we buy rough diamonds from mining companies like DBS and Alexco in South Africa. Yeah. We, we cut and polish them. And we, we make bespoke jewelry. So, you know, in the case of Zinke, you know, she would come in and say, this is my style, this is what I like. And and we design whatever piece that she likes around the diamonds we would have shown her, the ones that she would have said falls within a particular budget that she may have. And and, and we you know, we, we pride ourselves in giving a diamond experience yeah. to people who haven't seen diamonds the way we sell them. Yeah. How on earth did you get involved in this? It's it's an interesting story. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a lawyer by profession. So in 2011, I came to Johannesburg. I had just finished my studies. And I had met a guy uh, a year before who was in the diamond business at the time. He was a client at DBS himself. Um, And he mentored me. I mean, he he, he had such a big heart. You know, he he said to me, if you want to learn about the diamond business, come, follow me everywhere. I, I essentially became his is PA. So I yeah. went to, to meetings with him, took notes, and then that's how I learned about the diamond business. Um, in 2013, I started my own business, Nungu Diamonds, and the rest has been history ever since. So it was through a mentorship, to answer your question simply, and uh, a guy with a big heart who gave me a shot. You know, Kiela Boch, it's so interesting. Um, as you speak, I'm thinking of a whole bunch of things. One of them is um, in fact, one of the case studies that I've been looking at for school has been around the mining sector and yeah. the sustainability of the mining sector. Yeah. And I'm interested uh, whether that's important for you. So, you know, we diamonds have, have historically got some uh, mm. very negative associations and yet mm. they are also potentially an opportunity for any country to grow and strengthen Absolutely. and provide work. Tell us a bit about your take on that. So, so one one of the words that we 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 use in 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 all of our marketing messaging is provenance. Yes. So provenance speaking to the the origin, the source, yeah. where the diamonds come from. Yeah. And, and 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 to your point, diamonds have always had a very bad reputation, specifically in relation to the African continent. Yeah. But but you travel everywhere around the world, diamonds aren't looked at the same. People yeah. are proud to wear them. People speak highly of South African diamonds, diamonds specifically. <laughs> I mean, I've been to New York, yeah. London, Hong Kong, Dubai. Yeah. They, they, as soon as you say you're in the diamond business, they say, and they know you're from South Africa, they ask you, do you have some to sell? But yeah. the, the, the view isn't the same back home in South Africa and by extension into the continent. So as, as, as a company, we've taken it upon ourselves to say, let's, develop a new narrative about diamonds with Africans in Africa. Yeah. Let's talk a different language. Um, there's a mine that DBS operates in Limpopo called Venetia. Yes, we know it well. It's, it, yeah. it's, one of the, it's one of the biggest operations in the world. And yeah. the sort of good that they do in that community through that mining operation is something that should be highlighted. Yeah. Which, yeah. which speaks to exactly your question, the, the sustainability of, 
of mining. What 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 else does it does mining do over and above digging a hole? Mm. How does Just, it increase uh, the health of communities? Absolutely. Just a few weeks ago, DBS released a statement to say they've spent ten million rand on. Uh, helping against COVID-19. you know the fight on on COVID nineteen. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and 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 it's it's important to draw these linkages to say you know the diamond you're wearing comes from a place called Limpopo in South Africa. Uh, the mine is called Venetia. This is what the mining company is doing, and by wearing these diamonds, this is what you you essentially seek to celebrate. Yeah. So isn't it, I mean, you talk about changing narratives, and if we think of the marketing, um, some of the great marketing of diamonds, of course, would be um, if we look at, what was it, diamonds are a girl's best friend, diamonds last forever, the relationship doesn't, but the diamond does. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, in some instances, this is true. Sintla, I hear you laughing. That's What does a diamond, Sintler, for you, what does a diamond mean? I mean, it's interesting because you choose, as one of your guests, um, a diamond trader. And uh, I suppose that, what does it last forever? Is it like it doesn't matter about the relationship, but I can have the diamond? Definitely. Like, (laughs) (laughs) diamonds being a girl's best friend is, is a good one for me. Um, and and there's just the different uses that um, that I know the diamonds has introduced me to when it comes to diamonds. Like I can wear them. I even wear like uh, wear them on my nails now because the diamonds mm. said I could. Which <laughs> 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 is quite interesting. So I'm trying to create a very good relationship with diamonds because I feel like that one will last longer than most of my relationships. <laughs> I have to say, I'm 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 probably feeling the same way as you guys. That's for sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, 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 and just to add to what Zint is saying, you know, self-purchase these days, particularly by by women, yeah. is one of our biggest markets. You know, really, you yeah. don't have to you don't have to wait for you know a guy to buy you diamonds. These days, women are more independent than they've ever been before. Nothing stops them from wanting to buy themselves a diamond. A diamond, and, and like what Zint is saying now, you know, she's wearing them on her nails. So I mean, diamonds are that versatile. You, you don't have to just think about an engagement ring all the time or a wedding band. Ain't that they can be worn as anything. I'm hoping, Zintle, that you don't do the dishes in your home. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> just a no, lady and I, I wear them. them. <laughs> I wear them. <laughs> I'm strategic. I don't just wear them. I, I have special times when I have to, <laughs> when I can wear them. <laughs> so so let's talk about, I mean, Zintle, you mentioned that you were introduced to Kiela Bocha through uh, Sumizi. And I think that what becomes quite clear then is the the, the growth of networks and the power of networks mm. and yeah, um, yeah they, they're so fascinating ecosystems in many ways, spider webs, if one wants to think of them like that as well. Absolutely. Oh, no, so I think that. it's very important, um, um, and, and, and it, it just comes down to you know the people that you surround yourself with. Uh, who, what are they doing? What, what inspires you about what they're doing? Who can they introduce you to? And, and, and maybe that's why they say you need to keep the, the smartest people around you or the people who are better than you around you because yeah. then you're able to create these networks because what are they doing? Who are they talking to that maybe I'm not talking to so that I can succeed better? So it, it, um, these networks are very important. And I feel like especially for, for us black people, we just need, you know, mm-hmm. to introduce each other. You know, we need to say, okay, this is a black-owned tuning company. Uh, check it out. Uh, this is a black-owned diamond company. Check it out. That, for me, is as important as saying this is a female-owned business. You need to check it out. So, 
I want to ask both of you, you've both described in many ways uh, your moving into the businesses that you work in, the mentors that you've had in order for you to get there. I mean, simply yours was someone very close. In many ways, it was your brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bocha, you spoke about your mentor who took you um, on a very yeah. interesting two-year journey as a PA to learn about the diamond uh, industry. You were mentored. How is important is it for you to now start mentoring other people? Zinta, you want to go first? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was about to ask you that, but thank you. I'm a lady, so I'll go first. Of course. I of think course. it's very important. Um, I, I still have strong mentors in my life, like Oskido and my brother that you mentioned. Um, and I think it's very important. Um, and, and that's the work that we, we've been doing for a long time, even with the DJ school that we had for 10 years. That was one of the most important things that we had to do. And the, 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 with, with my journey in mentorship and the girls that I worked with, the, one thing, the other one thing that I discovered, which was actually very important, was you could still be mentoring someone without physically being with them, you know? Um, mm. Now we have got technology. Or you could even... There are people that are not necessarily my mentors that I study from a distance, to say, okay, what, what, why are they successful? What did, what did they do right? Why is this business so successful? Why is it thriving at a time hmm. when everything is going down? What can I learn from this business? So mentorship is now taking a different direction. It doesn't have to be an intimate relationship all the time. And this is what I'm trying to teach people all the time, that you don't necessarily have to be in my space, in my house all the time for you to be mentored. You need to study people. And that's what I've been doing lately because now everything is so you know remote. But mentorship is still very important, especially just to help younger people to learn um, from people who have been there before. And that, for me, is the easiest when I do it with females. And like I said earlier, it just makes me more comfortable relaying information and, and sharing my experience with the females because I feel like that's where I'm strongest at. I know what I'm talking about. So when it comes to mentorship, I'm very strong with females. Yeah. Kiela Bocha? I, I, I think... One of the things that I learned from my own mentorship process was that my mentor used to say, you have to be hungry for it, hmm. you know? And yeah. and this is some of the things that I that I say to people who come to me and ask for mentorship. Uh, I hmm. agree completely what Zinke is saying. It doesn't have to be an intimate relationship where I see you every day, like how the case was with myself and, and Mekonot Demani when I started out. But what is important is from 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 the perspective of the person being mentored, you have to want it. I mean, I, I remember I used to call him five times a day, and sometimes he wouldn't answer. This is while I was still back at Mafigi. Yeah. And and he he could sense the hunger in my my insistent behavior. You know, I, I want to talk to you today. I want to hear how your day was. I want to talk about what the next thing is. And and for me, that 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 level of hunger is what also gets me wanting to mentor somebody. I have I have one guy who's based in the northwest now who I'm helping out with the process of getting a diamond beneficiation license. Yeah. And he calls me every second hour, I'm sure. <laughs> and, where, and where I don't answer the phone, he doesn't take it personally because he understands perhaps you're in a meeting now and you're not going to be able to get back to me. I say to him, just call me between 7 and 8 at night. And he never misses that slot. So it's, yeah. a, it's a hunger thing that a person has to show. And, and I, I, I love doing, you know, taking a person through that mentorship process myself because I learn from them. You know, sometimes you need to be reminded of how it is you started, the hunger you used to have. Yeah. And and it, it just it, it keeps you it keeps you alive, it keeps you fresh, it keeps you wanting more. So Stay hungry. If, if if 
if anyone, if anybody at all wants to be mentored by Jalabakura, the first thing I start with is how hungry are you for it? And you yeah. need to demonstrate it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Kiela Borgapule from Nungu Diamonds, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to go into uh, one of Zintle's tracks and a spot break. And when we come back, we'll chat to her second guest. She is our guest on the show today, our guest presenter. And her second guest is her co-author on the book Meeting Your Power, Bongi Mbanga. Uh, Zintle, thank you so much for, for, for joining us again. And uh, Bongi, how did you two meet? We um, we met at a um, show that we did together, Zinclair show. I take yeah. the village. Hi, Zinclair. <laughs> Hi, Bongi. <laughs> nice surprise. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, we met at. Um, we Zinclair invited me to be part of his of, of her show. Um, it takes a village, mm. and and the relationship blossomed from then onwards. So, you met on the show it Takes a Village. You kind of hooked up. You decided, hey, these, I like, I like you. You like me. Let's let's do uh-huh. something together. What was the decision to go with the book? Um, so, uh, so Bongi and I actually, um, Bongi was my therapist when we when we were shooting this um, TV show, It Takes a Village. I mean, it yeah. was a tough show to do. So me and, me and her would sit in the car when we were waiting for the next scene or waiting to shoot the next um, scene and we just had intensive, like extensive, like conversations about life. And I just felt like a lot of the ideas or the values that she, she carried, I, I had the same. It just made sense. Like we, the more we spoke, uh, it was also, there was also our makeup artist, Udre. The three of us would speak for hours and hours and at, at every time we just had the same values and it, 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 it was um, it was crazy, and then one day I was driving, and I, I thought um, we did such great work with the girls on It Takes a Village, just helping young girls. Yeah. How about we continue the work and, and write a book that would resonate with with women, that, like right now, like and talk about how women can meet their power. And then I called Bongi. I said, "Are you driving?" She said, "Yes." <laughs> I said, "Well, you need to park on the side because." Me and you are writing a book. <laughs> and that's how the book came about. Sinclair, and I'll ask you this as well, Bongi. You mentioned values. And as we come into the close of the show, obviously that's something really important to engage with, is what are the values that we need to think about as we move forward in the country at a time where things are really, really tough? Baby values do shift when things are great mm. and fabulous to when things are very, very difficult. But it, ostensibly, one has to have intrinsic values, no matter what. Yeah, no, I think it's, um, uh, there's, there hasn't been a, a, a more important time for people to include to who they are than right now. Mm. And I think um, mm. if you are not, this is the time when, it, like, literally, life is going to have stripped you of everything that we, we thought was of value. Now you're literally left with yourself at home, and all you have is just your mind to deal with. And a strong mind right now is one of the important things and just understanding who you are. And, I mean, I know it's a, it's a tough time for a lot of us right now, but just holding true to who you are is one of the most important things, maybe discovering what your values are even at this time and just staying true to those things because what's going to keep you going right now is just being true to yourself. And that's what's kept me going for a long time. I actually was reading something online yesterday, and one person wrote, you need to be very careful, you know, careful what you absorb on social media because 
Mm-hmm. Your mind shifts. You start competing with those things that you see online. And then I actually send this stuff to DM and say, sometimes it's even a lie, and you're competing with the lie. So instead of competing with other people, maybe the value should be competing with yourself and just bettering yourself. And those are things that I think are important right now, just your mind power and be strength true to who you are because there's nothing else. Like going to a restaurant is not as important right now. Your health is, is more important than anything else, your life and what you're doing with it. So your values have had shifts. Uh, my values personally have had to shift during this time. So let, let's go, Bong. If you look at being a self-leadership coach and a facilitator, what does being true to yourself mean? It means um, a lot of things. And before I get to that, I just want to add to what Zinke was saying and to link also to, to, to self-leadership and what does that mean that um, we are faced with something that is very new to us and very abnormal um, for us as human beings because our lives are about connection, connecting with ourselves and with others. And Mm. and one of the key, uh, for me, key things that are critical at this time, and as you look at leading yourself in in, in this time that... um, Everything is really um, dicey and, 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 and can crack any time. Uh, is the ability to choose your attitude at any moment mm. and knowing that you've got the power to choose how I'm going to respond because we're still alive. And with yeah. the life that we still have as human beings, how are we going to respond to this pandemic? How are we going to respond to any crisis that maybe we find ourselves that we can't change immediately? that we don't have the power to change, but what is it in this crisis that we experience that we have the power to change? And that is the power, the attitude that we have towards what's happening around ourselves, what's happening to you. So, and, and, and the thing is, you've got the choice. You've got the choice to say, am I going to let this experience um, define me um, by choosing who I want to be? Yeah. And, and that is very empowering. So if, if we think about where we are now and if we think about leadership and, and we think about who we are, it's always dependent on the actions then we took as a result of the choice that we made, we make. But if our beliefs are not very clear, because the attitude is linked to what we believe, if we believe that we can, you know, rise above whatever situation we experience, yeah. and that's part of who we are, because then we lead from that. Then the actions that you see someone take as a result of what I believe and the attitude, because that attitude anchors you, no matter what happens. Yeah. Because life will give us something that we like, sometimes something that we don't like. And I think for me, if you think about self-leadership, there are things that we easily can change. But our character is shaped when we are faced with a fate that we can't change. And then we have a a choice to say, who are we going to be? as a result of the faith that we can't change. So that's Bongi Mbang, the co-author of Meeting Your Power, which she has written with DJ Zintle. Zintle, we have one minute to close, and I want to ask you a question. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a theory co- which is about flex and core, and it essentially mm-hmm. talks to the idea that you have your core, which does not change. And, mm-hmm. then, and then you have the area of flex. So it's a bit like a triangle that starts at the point, and the point is core, and then it opens up to flex. And flex is where you can shift and change, and you don't mind shifting and change. Changing. Mm-hmm. I want to know from you, what is your core as DJ Zinclair? Wow. Wow, really? 
I feel like this message should, should this message should have been sent to me two weeks ago so I can think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's really a simple thing for me. I think the one thing that has held me down that has always been uh, something that I had to fight for that is literally holding me down. It's just like like I said, being true to who I am, and I think it sounds so fickle because we say that so many times, but it has saved me from many things, from things that don't, that are not meant for me, for things that I'm not I'm supposed I'm not supposed to be, to be part of, and it has also made given me the patience to wait for things to come when they're supposed to come for me. So I'm not really moved by what is happening around me. I'm inspired by people around me, but my core is. Like, I know what I want. My vision is very clear, and I understand the things that are meant for me because I'm so true to myself. And I think this is one lesson that I had to learn when I was going through a tough time publicly to say, what are the decisions that I'm going to make? Am I going to make decisions that are going to make sense to everyone who's watching my my life right now, or am I going to make decisions that I can live with? And coming back to the center, which is me, has always saved me. So the core has always been me. So are you the kind of person who can say no? I can definitely say no. Yeah, I can say no. And in, 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 there's two different types of no's, and I'm, I'm, I'm more aware of, of the latter one, I'll tell you. The first one is when I know that the opportunity is not meant for me. Yeah. Then I'm able to say no, and that's an easy no because I'm able to justify it. And then there's a no where you, where you feel like you're supposed to be helping, but you know that it's going to take more from you than it's meant to. And that's yeah. the no that I'm trying to learn now, which is difficult for me to say no, because it's just good for me to say no. But in, that it might make me look selfish. It might make me look like I'm not a caring person. But I know that I don't want to say yes. So that's the no that I'm still struggling with right now. Where it, it's not good for me to say yes, but I have to say yes because maybe it looks good or it makes me look like a, a good person. But I know that it just takes away from me. So that's the no that I'm struggling with right now. We wish you all the best on that. I think many, many of us are struggling to do that and to get to that point. It takes a long, long time. DJ Zintler, thank you so much for joining us, our guest for today.